0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: Declaring the Word of God without compromise. We should, listen, we should never alter or water down the Word of God because of our personal feelings or because of our personal affections or out of fear of offending someone. I'd rather offend that person than offend God by changing His Word. Altering it or leaving part of it out. I don't want to offend somebody.
0: We all alter our speech or actions depending on who we're around. It's a social rule of adapting to your audience. But Pastor Dan reminds us in today's message that we should never adapt or change or water down the words of God. Every word written in the Bible is intentional and deliberate. You're not offensive, but there are people who will be offended by Jesus. That doesn't mean you alter the message to tickle their ears. People need to hear the truth, no matter how hard it may be to swallow. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 49 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: Verse 23 goes on to say the archers have bitterly grieved Joseph and shot at him and hated him. Joseph's brothers shot at him with arrows of envy and hatred, selling Joseph into slavery. Potiphar's wife shot arrows of sexual temptation at Joseph and then arrows of false accusations. The butler shot arrows of false promises and false hope, promising to speak to Pharaoh on Joseph's behalf, and then forgetting Joseph and leaving him to rot in prison even longer. But Joseph, look what it says, Joseph's bow remained in strength, or Joseph's bow remained steady, meaning, listen, Joseph didn't fire back when he was fired at. He didn't fire back when he was fired at. He didn't retaliate. When people were launching arrows at him, His brothers, Potiphar's wife, Joseph didn't start firing arrows back. He didn't start defending himself or shooting at them in response. I don't know about you, but I suspect you're like me. And when someone starts firing at us, our natural tendency is to want to fire back. And and defend ourselves. If somebody does something against us, we want to do something in, in response and, re, and retaliate. But the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The Holy Spirit now, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives gives us self-control. Now, look what it says in verse 24. Verse 24 speaks to that. But his bow remained steady. He didn't fire back. Why not? And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd and the stone of Israel. The the mighty God of Jacob strengthened Joseph's hands. And the idea here is that the mighty God of Jacob figuratively put his hands on the hands of Joseph, preventing him from firing back. Even when his brothers came down to Egypt seeking food, and Joseph was the second in power in Egypt, and Joseph had the power to take vengeance, why didn't he? The Lord prevented him. The Lord put his hand on Joseph's hand. Don't do it. Don't fire back. Aren't you grateful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life I know I'm grateful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life for many reasons, but for one reason is because the Holy Spirit quite often intervenes and says, don't do that. Don't say that. I know you want to say that, but don't say that. I know you want to respond to that email that way, but hold your fire. Sometimes the Holy Spirit has just kind of put his hand on your shoulder, put his hand on your hand. Just put down the bow. Just set down the bow. Set down the arrows. Let's just let's go for a walk. Okay. And we need that. We need the Holy Spirit to give us that self-control. Joseph had self-control from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't something from within. It was the Lord God working in his life. And you know, Joseph is a picture or a type of Jesus Christ in the Bible. The Bible tells us that Jesus was despised and rejected, and he was mocked and ridiculed and betrayed. But Jesus didn't retaliate. He didn't retaliate against those who were against him. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says of Jesus, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus could have responded. He could have retaliated. He could have called fire down from heaven. He even tells Peter in Gethsemane, put, put away your sword, Peter. I, I could call down a legion of angels if I wanted to. I've got the power to do it. But he chose not to. Instead, he committed himself to God, to the Father, him who judges righteously instead of retaliating. Even if you think about it, when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't retaliate. He prayed for those who were against him. Father forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And people may shoot arrows at us. and We shouldn't fire back. Now we may want to fire back. But we shouldn't fire back. Like Jesus. Like Joseph. We shouldn't revile in return. But instead. Commit ourselves to him. Who judges righteously. Knowing that God will defend us. Knowing that God is our defender, knowing that vengeance belongs to the Lord and not to us. Now, notice at the end of verse 24, from Jacob will come the shepherd and stone of Israel. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. Way back here in Genesis 49. The shepherd and stone of Israel. Jesus is the the good shepherd. The Bible says Jesus is the shepherd of your soul. Aren't you glad for that? The Bible says our shepherd uh, lays down his life for us to save us. And Jesus is the stone of Israel. Mark chapter 12 verse 10 says Jesus is the stone the builders rejected and has become the chief cornerstone. He's the stone the builders rejected. Jesus was rejected and crucified for our sins. But in his resurrection, he became the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone is the stone that is put in place first, and then all the other stones in the building are lined up with the chief cornerstone. Jesus is now the chief cornerstone in our lives. Everything we do should line up with Jesus Christ and his word. We're lining up our lives with Christ. He's the chief cornerstone. So that's, that's the historical part of Jacob's final words to Joseph. Beginning in verse 25, we have the prophetic portion. Jacob's final words to Joseph. Verse 25, by the God of your father who will help you and by the almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lie beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost Bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers. There are five different titles for the Lord that are mentioned here in verses 24 to 26. Each illustrates a different aspect of God's character. He's referred to as the mighty God, the shepherd, the stone of Israel, the God of your father, and the Almighty. The title Almighty means the all-sustaining one. God sustained Joseph through all of his afflictions and will sustain the descendants of Joseph. The Lord is our sustainer. He's our sustainer. He sustains us through every season of life. And this prophecy here, it speaks of the blessings that will come upon the descendants of Joseph. The word bless. Or blessings are used six times in verses 25 and 26. The descendants of Joseph will be blessed materially. Uh, They will become wealthy through agriculture. They'll be blessed uh, numerically. The tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim combined are the largest tribe of Israel, largest in population. Uh, You see that Manasseh received the most territory, the most land, of the tribes of Israel, both on both sides of the Jordan River. Ephraim is blessed, or was blessed, with great leaders like Joshua. And the prominence of Ephraim is illustrated by the fact that the northern kingdom of Israel is often referred to as Ephraim, because it was the most prominent tribe in the northern kingdom. Uh, The descendants of Joseph were blessed to the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills, just as Jacob predicted here. Just the blessing of God was on that tribe. Now, that brings us to the tribe of Benjamin. The territory of Benjamin included the city of Jerusalem. That's important. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 12. Moses prophesied that the tribe of Benjamin would be sheltered by the Lord and dwell between his shoulders. Dwell between his shoulders. Geographically, the territory of Benjamin sits in a valley with hill country to the north and hill country to the south of Benjamin. And that hill country to the north and the hill country to the south acts as kind of uh, shoulders protecting Benjamin, just as Moses You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com that's
0: calvaryec.com Thanks Pastor Dan. now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth
1: so in verse 27 we have Jacob's prophecy about Benjamin Benjamin, look what it says is a ravenous wolf and the morning he shall devour the prey and at night he shall divide Now, I want you to remember that Benjamin was Jacob's youngest son and Jacob's favorite son. And yet here he calls him a ravenous wolf. The fact that Jacob describes the descendants of Benjamin this way shows that what Jacob says here came from the Spirit of God and not from Jacob. Jacob is speaking prophetically, what he received from the Lord about the tribe of Benjamin. Jacob did not edit or change God's message to Benjamin just because he had such deep affection for Benjamin. He said it and said it straight, which reminds us of the importance of declaring the word of God without compromise. Declaring the word of God without compromise. We should, listen, we should never alter or water down the word of God because of our personal feelings or because of our personal affections or out of fear of offending someone. I'd rather offend that person than offend God by changing his word or altering it or leaving part of it out because I don't want to offend somebody. Years ago, uh, when we were studying through 1 Corinthians, it was many years ago, we were in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, and in the passage in 1 Corinthians 6, that's one of the passages that talks about who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it gives the lists. You know, the passages that give the lists and says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I read the passage, just as we do every Sunday morning. I had everybody stand, I read the passage and just from reading the passage, we had a couple families get up and walk out. I hadn't even said anything yet. I just, I've just read it. Give me a chance to offend you, right? I mean, just reading it, they get up and walk out, which was uh, surprising, uh, you know, a little unsettling. And, I, you know, I think maybe the next week or two weeks after that, uh, Pastor Bill Gallatin was here. And we were talking about the church, and I said to him, I've, I was just in 1 Corinthians 6, and when I read the passage, people started to get up and walk out. And without missing a beat, Bill Gallatin said, I'd rather those people get up and leave than the Holy Spirit get up and leave because you've compromised the word, right? And so here, we just want to note the fact that, you know, this is a hard word to Benjamin from Jacob, and Jacob has deep affection for Benjamin, but he, he doesn't compromise. He doesn't change the message just because it's his son, Benjamin. He says they're going to be like a ravenous wolf. They, they will be the idea is they'll be vicious. They'll be a warring tribe. And sometimes uh, it's for good. Sometimes it's not for good. This prophecy was fulfilled throughout Benjamin's history in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We don't have time to go through every example from the tribe of Benjamin, of how this was fulfilled. But I'll just mention a few that stand out from Benjamin. The first one is in Judges chapter 3. We have a man named Ehud. Ehud. He was the second judge of Israel. Ehud single-handedly, by himself, assassinated Eglon, the king of Moab, who oppressed Israel for 18 years. So for 18 years, the nation has lived under the oppression of this, this Moabite king. And Ehud was kind of like this Jason born guy. And he goes to his palace to deliver. He's got to deliver a payment tribute to the Moabites because Israel was forced to pay tribute to the Moabites. So he personally delivers it to the king. And it's a very cool story because Ehud was left-handed. And so he hides a dagger on his right side. And so when he goes in to deliver the tribute to the king, he gets searched and he shows the left side where a right-handed person would hide their dagger, or hide their sword. So he just shows the left side. They don't bother to look at the right side because they just assume he's right-handed, but he's left-handed. So he gets in and he's in by himself with the king, pulls out this dagger, stabs the king of Moab, And he stabs him with such force, the Bible tells us, that the whole dagger went into his stomach, including the handle. And he couldn't pull it back out. Then he locks the door and goes out through the balcony and splits. And the guards, at some point, they go and knock on the door. The door is locked. And so they figure the king is going to the bathroom or maybe the king's taking a nap. And it gives a time to escape. Dude it's like a vicious wolf, right? I mean, after that, you have in Judges 17, you have uh, the tribe of Benjamin was at the center of this devastating civil war with the other tribes of Israel. We're told that 700 men of Benjamin killed 40,000 men from the other tribes in just two days of battle. Just devastating. Uh, Saul. The first king of Israel was a Benjamite. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 47 says of Saul. After Saul had assumed rule over Israel, he fought against their enemies on every side. Moab, the Ammonites, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. Wherever Saul turned, he inflicted punishment on them. That's a Benjamite. Just inflicting punishment on everybody. Also, there's some good, good examples too. Esther. Esther was from the tribe of Benjamin and Esther, with her with the help of her uncle Mordecai, bravely saved the Jewish people from annihilation. The Jewish festival of Purim celebrates the zeal of Esther and Mordecai. But the most famous Benjamite of all was Saul of Tarsus. Also known as the Apostle Paul. I want you to listen to what it says in the New Testament about Saul of Tarsus and see if this doesn't sound like a ravenous wolf to you. Acts chapter 8, verse 3, But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He was breathing out murderous threats. Sounds like a wild animal to me. Acts chapter 22, verse 4, Paul says of himself, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. In Acts chapter 26, when Paul gave his defense before King Agrippa in Caesarea by the sea, he said, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. The Apostle Paul was a ravenous wolf who hunted down and tore in pieces the believers in Jesus Christ. And all of that changed for Saul of Tarsus when he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And Saul was radically transformed by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will change you. He will change your life. He can forgive all of your sins, everything that you've ever done wrong. And he can transform you and make you a new creation where the old things pass away and he makes Everything new. That's what he did in Paul's life. But with Paul, his zeal for God remained. His zeal for God remained. Uh, God didn't alter Paul's temperament. He didn't make Paul soft. That zeal was still there. And what God did is God took Paul's zeal and just rechanneled it in a God-honoring way. And so all of that zeal and passion that was in Paul, God used it and and Paul became zealous for Jesus Christ. And became the greatest missionary the church has ever known. God can take what is already in you. What you're already passionate about. And he can use it for his glory. And for his purposes. And so finally, in closing... Jacob wraps this up in verse 28. He says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is the first time we have the phrase, the 12 tribes of Israel in the Bible. And this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. And he blessed each one according to his own blessing. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the example of Joseph. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be Rooted and grounded in Christ, so that we can have fruitful lives no matter what may come. We thank you for the example of Saul of Tarsus and how you used what was in him for your purposes and for your glory. We pray, Lord, that you would do the same with us. Whatever, whatever you've put in us, Lord, however you've wired us, we pray and ask, Lord, that you would use it for your purpose, for your glory. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, Ring truer than the finest crystal.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Genesis, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we encourage you to keep reading on your own. As you go through Genesis, it's important to not lose sight of the bigger picture of God's plan. You get some valuable insights into God's character through this book and how He interacts and intercedes with those He's created. Would you like to listen to more teachings from this series or explore other message series from God's Word? If so, visit our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to the Ring of Truth podcast. It's a great way to keep connected to the teaching of Scripture. We'll notify you every time we upload a new episode. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We also want to encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your walk with the Lord. It's important to spend time in fellowship with other believers. The body of Christ functions best together, after all. If you're ever in or near the Columbia, Maryland area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Visit CalvaryEC.com to find directions and get more information about joining us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in Genesis right here on Ring of Truth. I see the
1: signs and I recognize the hands that